So let's get our scripture this morning, today, as we talk about a Savior that is born. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angels begin to unwrap who this is. What the purpose and the mission of this event is all about. The amazing wonder of it all. The marvelous account of it that began with angels singing at Bethlehem. The incomprehensible depth of God that was found in this expression, the gift of his only begotten son, a savior, Christ the Lord. A savior is born. So what is a savior? The Savior is one who saves from danger, destruction. He is a deliverer, a rescuer, a redeemer, someone who sets free. One who can save the lost, give directions, and in this case leads like a, a shepherd. He brings salvation. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us how personal this is. For unto you a child is born and unto us a son is given. While it has reached the world it is still very personal. It is not just about the magnitude of it, but also the personalization of it. Isaiah tells us that a child is going to represent God's presence. That a child is going to embrace and embody the character of God. And that child is going to bear the responsibility of governing his people. 
He has a personal and very intimate role that he plays in our lives. More than an event, but a helper along the way. And the scripture tells us that there was priority number one. And that is to save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. She shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This horrible, pervasive, incurable spiritual disease, it cannot be defeated by human means. It brought into a death spiral to all men. Romans chapter 5 says it has spread to everybody. This thing that is known as sin has caused wars between nations, conflict between individuals. It brings fear and anxiety, illnesses and death. Man, it's a priority of God. This thing about sin is so powerful and so controlling in our lives that you can write laws about it and pass laws against it. You can isolate yourself away from even the environments of it. But everywhere you go, it goes with you. Only Jesus can conquer sin. Only Jesus can do it. So priority number one of him coming as a savior is the sin condition and eternal destiny. When the Savior comes and the very coming of him means that something is amiss. Something is missing. Trouble is present. There's a need for a rescue. There is a need for help. Man's soul is adrift. The sea of life and carried about with its waves, Peter said. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
So when we're talking about a savior, what are we talking about? The purpose and the reason. You remember the story in Genesis about the fall. I want to first of all begin by the exterior consequences of the fall. Jesus came as the Savior. What man lost in what Christ has gained? You see, while it is true that Jesus came to pay the legal price for the rule breaking and to buy our pardon. In other words, they broke the rule. He came to go ahead and pay that legal price and buy our pardon of that rule and the rules that we break. But it's more than that. When the scripture says it's the breath of God, he's telling us that that life source, that which was containing his heartbeat and his sight, when he said don't eat, he was protecting the essential spiritual nature of his offspring. My. It is like the computer, if you unplug its power source, you're kind of left with very little and insignificant power. And that's why he said, don't. And so when you unplug from the power source, you're left to just your own knowledge. You're left to just your own sight. You're left to just your own power. And so when Jesus comes as a savior, it's intended to be a reconnection with the breath of God. Reconnecting your computer and my computer with a heavenly power source. Do you understand that? He didn't just pay the penalty and get your pardon. He wants us to reconnect. The effects of that fall, the exterior consequences of that fall, first of all, we have the unwelcome appearance of death. The day that you eat, you shall surely 
die. From dust you've been taken, and dust you shall return. Just as one man through sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all mankind. So the unwelcome appearance of death. Man, who was created good, was from then on born with a sin nature. I need a savior. Romans chapter 1, verse 29 through 31 tells us and gives us a description of this sin nature. It's filled with all unrighteousness. It has a great tendency to sexual immorality and wickedness and covetousness. I mean, it's no minor thing. Full of envy, murder, strife, and deceit, and evil-mindedness. Wow. Should I go on? But not only that, the love relationship was broken in alienation from God. God was viewed no longer as a father to be loved, but a judge to be feared. Man became hostile to God. Enemies and no hope. No hope of change. What an announcement. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 said that at that time, that is before Christ, you were, you were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, all the promises, everything that God said and had promised, you didn't have a right to. He says, no hope without God in the world. Oh, yeah, you're still in the world. But you're hopeless. Your struggle is hopeless. My struggle would be hopeless. We don't even think right because we're enemies in our mind by wicked works. Yeah. The exterior consequences of it is that strained family relationships also came into play. Adam blames Eve, and Eve blames the devil. Cain kills Abel. Conflicts, relationship breakdown. Remember what he came for as a savior. The consequences of sin turn provision to be a major challenge. Cursed is the ground. You'll have to toil in it all the days of your life. So 
sin is not a minor thing. We need a Savior. There was not only the exterior consequences of sin, but there was the interior consequences of the fall. We've chosen this to go second, but it's from this interior consequences of sin that produces the exterior consequences of sin. There was a separation from God. That heart of openness gave way to a heart of guilt as they hid from God. They lost that self-control that came from their strong sense of God's presence and God's sacredness and God's goodness. That weakening of the awareness of God led them to have an increased sensitivity to sensual desires and passions. We, wrote, we read about it in Romans. Leading to strong interests in power, material possessions and sexual indulgence, and the self-life. That's separation. Please note, though, that God did not completely withdraw his presence from human beings. His sacred presence still had influential through their conscience, you know what I mean, and resulted in degrees of empathy, but it was greatly weakened. It has to run on its own battery rather than on the power source. He came as a savior. As a result of that sin, the consequences of that interior, the very life that we are living was made more subject to our natural senses, to evil spirits, my, our interior became a state that is more like a battleground than a place of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 7. I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I just do not find. I don't have the means. I don't know how to do it. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. I find a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. 
But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing into captivity the law of sin, which is in my members. Yeah. Think about it. As a result of that callous disregard for sacredness and the goodness of human life took place. The shedding of blood became a commonplace thing. But a Savior is born. A Savior, Jesus Christ, not only gives humanity the means to contend with the interior effects of sin, but also the exterior effects of sin. I love it. Paul writes, O wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then uh, with the mind of that inward man I myself serve the law of God but but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul is saying this, which I think and hope it'll be a help to you and help as we understand people. He is not talking about that which willfully sin. No, but hates what he's doing. I... Don't want to do it, but I find myself doing it. How many know Paul's a Christian right now? (laughs) Paul's saved. I mean, he's a powerful preacher. But that internal consequences of sin... Only God can give the power to set aside our desires and sin to do what is good and right. And that's what Paul is saying. Independent of God, we will serve the flesh in sin. If you got a great propensity to live righteous and have our being are overcoming that sin interior. Praise God, it is Jesus Christ. He's the answer. Your struggle with sin that's going on. I don't want to do it. 
but I'm still doing it. I want to do good, but I'm missing the mark. What am I going to do? I'm going to come to Jesus. What we call coming to Jesus, you know, encounter. When God sent a Savior, he was thinking with these terms in mind. There is in me, that is in my flesh, no good thing. Oh, hallelujah. It takes God influence. Jesus is a savior. He's a savior. When Jesus came, he is called the morning star. The morning star. What is the morning star? It means that daybreak is imminent. It's the star that shines with hope and with promise. It makes its appearance just before the rising of the sun. Oh, hallelujah. It also reflects bringing back to life and cause to grow. It's like the spring that's breaking out of the winter. And it's saying that God's light is about to shine forever. Somebody give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. Oh, listen, church. It's not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago. No, it's a reformation. It's a reformation that begins in the heart, you know what I mean, of the individual. And it begins to filter its way out through all of our life. Not only interior, but the exterior of our life. He's called the son of righteousness. It's going to rise with healing in his wings. That means that he's the central body of God's world. He's the virtue of divine transforming power. Jesus. Jesus. You've heard it said, and you know it, and you believe it, that his birth, as we see hope, his birth power is made available. And through Christ, life is manageable. 
I remember and was thinking this week about the word come. God has of an invitation for us to come. Come in out of the darkness into light. Come when you're tired and you're weary. Come when you're burdened and you're sad. Come. Come. Oh, if we would just come. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, pastor, I've already come. Come. (laughs) Come. The angels gave a message. The scope of that message is, number one, is how God saves and what his mission is for. He's here for a mission. He's not here just for a celebration. However, we should celebrate. But after the shepherds, you know what I mean, appeared, they went ahead and told. And that's what celebration is to be about. It's not just, hallelujah, the Savior is come. It is, hallelujah, I got a story to tell you. Amen. You know, and in the midst of the story that you tell about Jesus Christ and his coming, you have to include your story. The Apostle Paul, when he faced, you know, before Agrippa, he led off with his own story. His own story. And then he follows up with Christ's story. Yes, a Savior has come. I don't know about you, this is my 72nd Christmas, and I realized that I need a Savior more than ever. I accepted him as Savior when I was just little. I had the slightest idea what I was getting saved from, but he knew. (laughs) And now I get a little glimpse of what he has saved me from. What Savior means. First of all, the angels tell us the majesty of Christ's birth. Nothing is impossible. Oh, hallelujah. 
He invites us to place our trust and our faith in him because nothing is impossible with him. You know, everything has limits in the perspective of, you know, function and doing, but not God. Not God. Nothing's impossible. I look back over my life, you know what I mean? And I don't have very many challenging, challenging things, but I do recognize enough those <laughs> God coming through, let's put it that way. God coming through. In small things and in big things. Yes, the majesty of Christ's birth is a message that tells us with God, nothing shall be impossible. When the natural seems to be, you know what I mean, the blockade. God says, nothing shall be impossible. That invitation to come and put your trust in him. Notice they also says, talks about the character of the announcement. And that is, there is help today. Today, he is born. Today, there is great joy. Today, there is reassurance. Fear not. Today, he not only provides for us a joyous season, but he wants to make us joyous people. Hallelujah. Today, I fall on my knees like never before. Today, I lay my crown like never before. The angel spoke of the scope also of the Savior, which shall be to all people. God is no respecter of persons. He isn't got any favorites in saying, you know, hey, you get it and they don't. He doesn't operate that way. The Savior is available in every department for
for any and every individual. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't make any difference. Your situation. You are not exempt from the Savior's help. Who is the Savior? He is Christ the Lord. The one who takes us in our todays and brings us into our tomorrows. Yes. So many scriptures unfold for us. That anointing to heal mankind from spiritual illnesses and physical illnesses and practical things. You see, Christmas is not merely about his infancy. It's about his deity. Yes. Christmas is about God going public. Hallelujah. God is going public. Our Christmases need to be about us going public with God. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes. A Savior has been born who is designed and purpose is to reverse the effects of Adam's sin. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. Oh, hallelujah, that is take away his power, his government. Yes, Christmas is about getting the blessings to every nation. Hallelujah. When he prophesied, you know what I mean, and told Abraham that in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. If we want them blessed, we got to get Jesus there. Hallelujah. Take a look at history. Take a look at the world today. Wherever Christianity has an open door, there is a reduction, you know, in the darkness and the blackness, you know what I mean? And the way people function and, and, and uh, carry on life. And wherever the door is closed, that darkness and blackness is unleashing all of the spew of hell. Now, oh, I love this one. I love them all, but he's a mediator. He's a mediator. Yes. It's the mediator between sinful man and holy God. You didn't, and I just didn't need a mediator 
for our first encounter with God. We need that mediator on every encounter with God. Yes, Jesus is that mediator. There was one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, it's well because there's a mediator. It's well because his righteousness has went ahead and been applied to our account. Yes. Hallelujah. A mediator. Your situation. It may not have anything to do with salvation this morning because you may be already saved. But you have a situation that needs divine intervention. You don't have to try to be good enough. You just have to come to him who is already good. Yes, Jesus. I will try to wrap this up this morning with, I think, I can't call it the capstone, but yet, you know, a very vital part of the Savior coming. And that is the gift of fellowship. The gift of fellowship. The Savior gives us the gift of fellowship. The word fellowship stands for relationship, stands for partnership, companionship, and stewardship. Fellowship was one of the greatest riches in the privilege of Adam and Eve. Fellowship. See, when God planted that garden, he was giving a physical picture of perfect fellowship with God. Not only communion and one-on-one, but divine care and provision that comes because of Fellowship. Yes. Think about this fellowship. And God gives it to us through Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve were naked and unafraid. There was a purity and there was an innocence in the relationship with God. And Jesus Christ gives our relationship a purity and an innocent that we do not have to feel like we're naked or unafraid. Oh, 
ask my musicians to come this morning. It was the Apostle John that wrote in 1 John. He said, I'm telling you something. Something we've seen and something that we heard. And it's about fellowship. I want to let you hit on something. That you have the option and the opportunity and the invitation to have regular fellowship. And here's what he says. That you may have fellowship with us. That's that family. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Do you see it? Joy. Fullness of joy is in the framework of fellowship. Yes. He has broken down the middle wall. Not only that which separates humanity, but that which separated man and God. Fellowship. Fellowship. The benefits of fellowship. It's not just, you know what I mean? How can I put it? Sitting, you know, and nothing happening. When you have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, by avenue of the Holy Spirit... Listen what happens. From fellowship you experience his joy. For in his presence is fullness of joy and right hand are pleasures forevermore. In fellowship you experience his fruitfulness. I am the vine and you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can't do anything. That experiential connection. You see, through Jesus Christ and salvation we automatically have a position of relationship. But he's inviting us and encouraging more of a practice of relationship or fellowship, whichever word you want to use. His fruitfulness. Our lives get changed more and more as we fellowship. Paul wrote in Romans and he called it the communion of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I tell you. 
don't raise your hands. I got to ask the question. How many really have communion with the Holy Spirit? I know there's some off the wall people, you know what I mean? That they, they just, you know, get, get far out there in this communion of the Holy Spirit. I, and, you know, it, 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 listen, church, you're going to have ditches on both sides. I don't care what road you're on. <laughs> you just got to find it out for yourself. What, you know what I mean? Seriously, when I wake up in the morning, There, there is an immediate word from God virtually every morning. Now, sometimes I wish he'd wait me, let me sleep a little longer, but he doesn't. And I'm not, I'm not touting that. I'm just saying he really wants to give you an impression, you know, a word, a fellowship, a, a, a contact. In that fellowship, you experience his power. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens, who gives me strength. In that fellowship, we begin to experience in a practical sense his destiny for our lives. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You don't have to be out of bounds. You can be in bounds. I believe that destiny is connected to relationship. And fulfillment is connected to fellowship. You get friendship. You get friendship. Notice what it says. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called a friend of God. What's he saying? That when you believe in Christ as your savior, there is a righteous account for you and God says, now you're my friend. In other words, the, that which, that divide, that which is broken is now mended. Think about it. We sing, I'm a friend of God. And sometimes we, we you know, at least I have, you know, in my life, well, you know, I'm going to climb this ladder to friendship. <laughs> and Paul says, No is when you believe in Jesus and when you, you know, accept what he has done for you. The door of friendship is open to you. How you treat the friendship, that's, of course, another point of discussion. I want and I hope the church can see that 
friendship is not reserved for a select few. Friendship is not reserved for pastors and apostles and prophets and, you know what I mean? And, you know, spiritual people. (laughs) Quote. (laughs) Friendship is granted because we have a Savior. Give the Lord a praise. Stand with me this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Unto you this day is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. Oh, yes, church. I believe that we can experience Christmas in the present because it's not just today. It is a frame of heart and mind. It is not just a historical date to remember, but it is a gift to be lived. Absolutely. Amen. So don't pack away Christmas. Now, you can put away the ornaments, but don't put away what the Savior is about. And I know you want, but you know, hallelujah. So how can I live Christmas? When you meet someone who asks for help and you assist them, that day is Christmas. When you talk to someone who's lonely and sad, that day is Christmas. When you understand that resentment can be transformed by forgiveness, that day is Christmas. Oh yes, it goes on and on. When you decide to live with joy and hope rather than surrender to fear and anxiety, that day is Christmas. Let it come alive. Live it on a daily basis because that's why he came. So it could be lived. Amen? Amen. Go with God and he'll go with you. Celebrate. Enjoy your family.